Hello, everybody, and welcome to 2021. It is so good to be able to be talking with my friend Daphne. Again, my name is Jeremy. Uh, we are two music teachers at Ohio Virtual Academy, and this is our music appreciation podcast. We took this nice long winter break and relaxed and uh, I relaxed so well that when I came back, I actually had a lot of homework to do, uh, but <laughs> I didn't want to eat into my relaxing time. <laughs> so how was your break? About the same. Um, I just watched uh, TV a lot and just really tried to shut my brain off. And um, being that I am originally from northeast, the Northeast Ohio area, um, I have had quite a sports weekend uh, the yes, last few you weeks. have. So um, I am in a pretty, pretty delightful mood, I must say. <laughs> but it's good to be back. Yeah, for sure. The the Browns are. It's you know what it is. What it is. It is that type of year. <laughs> so <laughs> I am happy as can be. I've always been a Browns fan, just not to the level that a lot of people are. So I feel bad, even like. I don't want to feel like I'm jumping on the bandwagon, but uh, I remember when they left. I remember the oh, hate. You know, I remember all that. So that broke my heart so bad. Yeah. I still have. I still have trouble watching Baltimore. Like none of those yeah. people had anything to do with it. But when we play them or I see them, I just, oh my blood starts boiling just thinking about it. Yep, as it should. That's as right. Should. That's right. But I'm uh, in a good place so- <laughs> today. I'm in a very good place today. I will say that. <laughs> you should be because it is today's episode is all about you. So we're oh, on wow. episode, I know episode forty eight, and it's uh, working at a professional symphony. So you know we both are musicians and we do a lot of stuff outside of this teaching world, and a lot of it has to do with music. That's just you know who we are. That's how we interact with the world is through music. And you have the distinct honor of the two of us to work at a, a classical music institution, right? That is, uh, That's what they tell me yeah, anyway. It's, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a symphony, a city symphony, which um, are kind of like, you know, if you're a performer, for example, if you are a violin performer, that's probably like where you want to end up. It's like if you play baseball your whole life, you want to end up in the major leagues. Well, symphonies are kind of like that, right? It's like the performing the peak of where you want to go. Absolutely. And uh, you get to be a part of that world, which is super cool, I think. Yeah, I'm really, really fortunate. I mean, I work in a very specific set part of the symphony. Um, but yeah, I'm a part of that world. At least I pretend to be. Or It sounds really great on paper uh, when you tell people <laughs> <laughs> that you work for a symphony, but I do, in fact, work for a symphony. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I think it's cool. So let's talk about the parts of a symphony, though, because there's obviously the performers and the conductor, you know, like the people that uh, people come to see, basically, but they don't do it all on their own. So can you break out some of like the different departments of a symphony? Right. So with us, um, where I am, it's, you know, there are different departments in the symphony that have different functions. It's just like anything else. It's a functioning business to some extent. Um, The musicians and the conductors are obviously the faces, and rightfully so. These are the people that you're paying the money to go see. Um, The musicians, as you were talking about a little bit ago, uh, you know, like you were talking about it, like being the major leagues in baseball, these musicians come to the symphony with a wealth of experience. Oftentimes they're coming with degrees in music performance, master's degrees in music performance, even 
They're very, very skilled, and this is what they do all the time. This is their full-time job is playing music. So um, these are very high, high-level musicians and the conductors as well. These are people who have studied conducting and had long, fabulous careers um, of conducting ensembles before them. So those are the people that you, when you think about the symphony, those are the people that you think of first because they are the ones on the stage. But there's a whole ton of background people making all the parts run First of all, there's always some kind of executive team, like a you know board of directors. So they're always up there making decisions. You've got uh, marketing people who are out there trying to sell tickets or uh, getting the word out about concerts, stuff like that. Um, you have general office staff, just like any place else. So you might have some people from HR, some people from finance, stuff like that. Uh, one thing I did forget to put on here is all the incredible stage hands and the ha- the people who run the house. So we're um, the symphony I work with is the Columbus Symphony, and um, that symphony is usually housed at the Ohio Theater in Columbus. There are a ton of people who make that building work. Uh, stage hands, ushers, uh, backstage people. I mean, there's a ton of people who have to be on site just to make these things work. So there's a ton of people that do that sort of thing. Uh, lighting technicians, sound technicians, you know, stuff like that. And then, um, at, at least with us, and for many professional symphonies, um, there's an education department. And so... Um, being a teacher, uh, that is the department that I serve in. And, um, there's, there's a lot of things the education department does, but on the whole, um, its purpose is to connect the professional symphony to, um, children, to students who are studying music, or maybe, um, do outreach to students who aren't exposed to this type of music or the type of, of uh, music the symphonies generally play. So lots of departments in the symphony, <laughs> Yeah, and I think it just goes to show how many there are, because you had a list here, and mm-hmm. even as you were going through the list, there were people like, oh, I forgot to mention this person or this person or this department, because like, it's, it's just such a big operation. And the nice thing about these symphonies is like these performers, right, is people like you and the other people that support the, the performance itself allows those people to not have to work. Like, could you imagine like the first chair cellist having to go out and sell tickets, you know, like oh, no, to that make happen. sure they're funded. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would happen. certainly not yeah. happen. And they're not specialists, right? To like these, the people who are musicians are musicians. Your marketing staff is somebody who studied marketing. And these are, these are, we, you know, I spoke about the musicians and the conductors being, you know, trained professionals. Well, so are the rest of these people. Yeah, I think it, it's we've talked about this a lot before in our podcast that you can have a career in music or next to music even if you're not going to reach that top level of performance like these people are. You know like I'll never be in a symphony. You know, I'm not I don't play really any of the instruments, but you know I'm not <laughs> I won't be as good as like the people that are really good at it. Uh but I could still be around if I'm like a specialist in ticket sales or like you, education, you know, like you can still be in this pinnacle world of classical music performance, um, just in a different role and as a, a specialty person. And so you have the education department. That's the, the world you work in, right? Yes. Um, and so the Columbus Symphony, there's 
can you break down kind of their their makeup of like their different ensembles and groups that that you might go see or that you work with yourself? So the Columbus Symphony, um, the pros themselves have one large orchestra um, that you would go see, play, check, whatever, you know. Um, they have some chamber ensembles too. I know that during, um, and admittedly I should say, I don't get to go see, this is not part of what I do outside of something I do with the professional muse- musicians um, that I'll mention here shortly. Um, I don't work with their performances um, or what they do. So um, I know roughly what they do, um, but for detailed information, please go to their website, which I, I'll, I'll link in the show notes. <laughs> um, but I know... Um, um, you know, they, of course, they have the large ensemble. They do have been doing some chamber work. I think this is primarily for um, in or in response to the pandemic. They're still trying to meet community needs. Um, but of course, with the pandemic and uh, maintaining social distancing, um, that has been a problem for the symphony, just like everybody else. So there have been um, some chamber ensembles that have emerged recently where they're playing in um like some local restaurants or going to nursing homes, things like that. Um, I don't think they're doing it so much right now because they would have to go inside. We are recording this in January um, of 21. And so the, um, the options to be inside are not great because, you know, of the pandemic. So um, I don't think there's been a ton of that um, happening lately. Um, there is a summer pops orchestra where, you know, it's kind of like the popcorn pops. I think we've talked about Toledo does something like this, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a summer group that um, at the back of the Ohio Theater, there's something called the Columbus Commons, which is like two, three city blocks of grass um, that's right behind it. And um, there's a stage right behind the building that faces all this grass. And the summer pops will go and just play, you know, movie music or um, jazz standards, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, that's what the pros mostly do. Um, in terms of the education department, um, we, the education department kind of has several functions. One just being the obvious, which isn't group related, but, um, the education department does outreach with schools, um, or has the symphony play concerts where schools will come in and view the, you know, seeing the professionals do music just like everything else right now, though, that hasn't been happening a ton. Matter of fact, um, that kind of programming, um, I'm trying to think, I think that shut down, uh, pretty immediately into the pandemic because, um, as you all remember, um, schools just, at least here in the state of Ohio kind of shut down quickly. It was almost like we had 48 hours notice and everything kind of shut down. That happened to the symphony as well. So um, the school programs really weren't happening. Um, I remember even when I was teaching elementary school, I would bring my elementary classes to the Ohio Theater to see the symphony. Um, And that was before I started working for them. So it's kind of funny to think about that now. (laughs) But um, I used to do that. Um, but there hasn't been, there has been some attempt to try and do, still do reach, you know, some re- reaching out, um, a lot of videos and stuff, but that's one primary function of the education department, which I know isn't totally in reference to what you were asking about the actual ensembles, but that is an important 
thing that the education department does. So I really want to make sure I mention that it's just not um, functioning in the way that we would like it to right now. We're hopeful that down the road that will be changing, but for now it's a little bit put on hold. So um, that leaves me back to the other ensembles. Our symphony actually supports six youth orchestras um, in total. Um, I kind of break it down like this. Four are like our main youth orchestras, and then um, two are kind of specialty orchestras. So um, with the main orchestras, and y'all can't see me, but I'm totally using air quotes when I say this, (laughs) because we don't refer to them like this. We just call them by name, Um, but I'm trying in terms of the podcast so I can explain it. um, That's what they are. So there's four main orchestras. They run like a normal school year. They start in August and um, they end usually sometime in April. Um, I think we're actually going to, because the pandemic and the way our schedules have changed, we're actually going to go a little bit into the first of May this year, which is a first since I've worked with the symphony. I've been with the symphony since, um, 2014. So I guess this is my sixth year. Wow. Okay. Anyway, um, (laughs) I just had that realization. Um, so there are four main orchestras, um, that go through the school year, um, the youth orchestra, which is actually a little confusing because we all of these fall under an umbrella of quote-unquote youth orchestras, but we have one that is specifically named youth orchestra. That orchestra is our oldest students, our high school kids. Um, the cadet orchestra, which is um, um, middle school to early high school. Then chamber strings, which is kind of like late elementary to middle school age. And then junior strings, which um, I think they start as young as third grade in that orchestra. Um, So they're very, very young students. And those four orchestras go primarily, mostly through the school year. We have two orchestras that don't quite fall into those categories, one being All City, and that is supported um, or uh, staffed through uh, students from Columbus City Schools mostly. And that orchestra usually happens January through March. It's a three-month orchestra. Again, with the pandemic, um, that we're currently working on how that's going to look. If that can happen this year, we're hopeful. It just might happen late. And then the final one is our Summer Pops, which um, is, it's it's only a week long, but it's still uh, considered one of our six orchestras. And Summer Pops just happens for a week in uh, the summer. And it's kind of, think about it like a little mini orchestra camp. And um, yeah, so, so that's when that happens. So we technically, under the umbrella in the education department, have six youth orchestras. That's fascinating. That's a lot of moving parts for uh, young kids. Do so those youth orchestras and the all city and the summer pops are. Do you get a lot of the same students at that higher level, or um, is it all like I know those four the quote unquote main orchestras were different grade levels, right? Yes. Uh, but the all city summer pops and the youth are those a lot of the same students, or is it pretty broad in who you guys are serving in terms of allowing people to play as a part of that organization? All city um, is much more broad than summer pops in terms of um, who is accepted because most most kids in all city are not in any of the other four orchestras. It's a special orchestra meant to serve much of the population um, in Columbus City Schools. Um, So it's mostly high school kids. If I'm not mistaken, it's all high school kids, actually. Um, 
and and they have to be accepted into that orchestra. I believe there is a reference process through their school orchestra teacher um, that has to go through. Uh, and uh, there might be an audition. I cannot actually recall. I don't work with All City a ton, um, but. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember, but either way you have to be accepted into all city, but it mostly serves, um, our inner city population inside the inner belt, kind of what we call it. Yeah, cool. Um, summer pops though, you have to be in one of the four orchestras or all city. Uh, They have taken all city and summer pops before. Um, you have to already be associated with the symphony to be in summer pops. And that one uh, stretches, um, a very wide array of, of grades that can go, I think down to seventh grade through 12th grade. So that also makes, uh, selecting pieces of music for that. Very interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. And can you just give a brief description? Cause I know summer pops and I, you might've alluded to this a little bit. It's quicker, right? It's a week long for you, but yeah, Typically, when we're talking about the summer program, what kind of music? There's a distinct difference in the music, I'm sure, right, between your – I know in the adult world, there's a difference between classical season and pop season, right, or Mm -hmm. summer pop season. Is it the same thing in the youth? Yeah. And what is that difference? Yeah, it's pretty similar. Um, You know, when we're talking about – again, I'll refer back to the four main orchestras. We don't – we just call them by name, but again, for terms terms of the podcast, I'm just referring to them as that. Um, Those four main orchestras, they are generally doing what we would consider consider classical work usually on their last concert at least for cadet i can speak very confidently on this cadet will do some kind of fun movie piece on their last concert or some kind of pops piece on their last concert summer pops is almost exclusively just like the grown-ups where they're doing kind of the fun stuff they're not exactly playing a lot of beethoven on that um you know it's more um the theme to harry potter or um, Disney's greatest hits or, you know, something like that. So it's, it's a little bit more digestible and it partly has to be too, because of our time constraints on that one. Yeah. And it just kind of lets everybody let loose a little bit, right? I mean, oh, for sure. the performers can let loose, you know, the audiences, it's much more approachable for people to get, to get plugged in. And yeah, Com- yeah, that's, and that's exactly part of it. Um, because the, you know, it's supposed to be a little bit, I don't, I don't know if relaxing is the right word, but we're not, we're not as structured in summer pops. It's not meant to be as structured, too. Yeah, I think it's one of the things, like, as you get to listening to music, it's not as, um, it's not as heavy on the listener, I think, a lot of times. Like, the music might be intricate, but, like, the listening experience may not be as heavy if you don't want it to be, which is nice, Yes. To like, just kind of relax. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. So. And plus, it's summer. We want to have a good time. I mean, these kids aren't in their normal structured time. So, you know, it's supposed to be. And, and for some of them, you know, if they we audition for the four main orchestras in May. And so they find out in June. So if they get in in June, they can still join Summer Pops. So it's almost for some kids who are new to the program, Summer Pops can kind of be a prequel to the experiences they're going to have in their main orchestra. Nice. And I see in here, you get to do some, uh, you put quote fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> so Ohio, uh, I have OSU in here in my brain, but Columbus is a big city. You have a lot of opportunities and very unique stuff in that city, 
right? Mm-hmm. So some of this fun stuff you put is like OSU in the Capitol. I got to play in seventh grade as part of my band. I got to play in the, the state Capitol, and that was super cool. You the know? acoustics like, in there are crazy. <laughs> it was great, yeah. Like, talk about feeling, you know, important. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, the last time I helped, and I guess I should say, um, I, I, I didn't make this clear. Off, so sometimes we have summer pops, and sometimes we don't. It's sometimes just based on um, the interest level. You know, if we only have ten kids sign up for it, we can't really have it, right? So right. there's been years we've done it, and years we haven't. Um, the years that I've worked with the symphony, I've been fortunate enough to be the operations coordinator for that orchestra. Each of those six orchestras has an operations coordinator. Um, so each of them have somebody on site taking care of everything so that the conductors can do their job. And we'll get into my gotcha. specific orchestra in a minute, but, um, the one I'm, I am the operations coordinator for, but, um, when we do summer pops, I've been fortunate enough to get asked to be that coordinator. So, um, when it happens, um, I do kind of the same responsibilities that I do with my uh, main orchestra. Um, but I also help do some of the planning, like do the fun stuff. Um, we obviously, you were saying, you know, we obviously have a big city here, so there's lots of stuff to do. We often are, um, when we do it, are uh, go to a college for this. We don't spend the night or anything cause everybody's in town, but, we go to a college so we can rehearse on like a bigger stage kind of deal. Um, for the first few years it was OSU, but because that building is getting renovated the last year we did it, um, we were at Capitol university. Um, this year, of course, this past summer, it was absolutely a no go because (laughs) of the pandemic. We absolutely couldn't do it. Um, matter of fact, the pandemic ended our seasons quite early last year. So, um, you know, the summer pops wasn't even <laughs> in the cards, <laughs> but, um, when we do have it, um, we try and do some fun stuff, we have a game night or, um, one, one time, um, when we were at OSU, we kind of walked the kids around, we hung out at mirror Lake, you know, did stuff like that. So, um, and then they get to perform at either COSI or the state house at the end of the week. And then they open up for the professional summer pops group. So, um, it's just a cool week. It's a lot of fun. That sounds fun. That sounds like, like, a, a great opportunity to really, uh, again, I keep going back to the word relax, but like have this experience regarding music that isn't like getting yelled at for playing a wrong note. Right. <laughs> but, well, they uh, will get busted for that. <laughs> right. Of course they will, but you have COSI to go. And yes. for those of you who don't know, COSI is a science museum. Uh, it's, like a really big science museum in Columbus. We used to have one in Toledo until they broke off and became Imagination Station. But oh, it's a yeah. cool space. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so your official job title, so this is the summer pops you're talking about, but right. it really, your your title is an operations coordinator, but for one of these four uh, orchestra, consistent orchestras, the, the cadet orchestra, right? That's, right. And so remind us what grade that is and kind of what your responsibilities are right so the cadet orchestra is um seventh through tenth graders um the basically the primary role of the operations coordinator is to just make sure everything is fine so that the conductors the only thing they've really got to do is conduct and do that now this can entail a lot of things um but the first two responsibilities of the operations coordinator are probably some of the bigger parts of the job. 
attendance and music. So attendance, it is obviously not glamorous. Um, it's just like what you think it is. I just have to check mark and make sure everybody's there. <laughs> Um, with an orchestra that has 90 students from all different school districts, you can imagine that this is a bit like herding cats. Um, it definitely becomes, uh, I don't want to say problematic because obviously they come and I just check them off and it's fine. But just like anything else, if I can't find a kid, I have to start calling parents. I have to start calling home. I have to start tracking people down. Um, and this is very important for one. We obviously are concerned about the safety. If you're supposed to be there and you're not there, our first thought is, oh no, what's wrong? Why aren't they there? Obviously, right? But other important thing here is that their attendance affects their eligibility. And so, um, because just like any organization, there are rules they have to follow. If they get into this orchestra, they can only miss so many um, events, so many rehearsals before they're not permitted to perform it in the concerts, or they're not permitted to um, immediately get into next year's orchestra there's a point where if they um if they if they miss x amount of rehearsals um they they have to re-audition to get their spot back the following year so um you have to be able to keep track of a of record keeping you have to be a good record keeper um to do this yeah so uh fortunately i am pretty good at that uh so (laughs) that's not a problem um so that's one responsibility Um, The other major responsibility, and there is a longer list of what I'm doing. These are just the two that they're there that take up a lot of time. Um, the other time is the music. I generally speaking, I'm kind of the librarian for the orchestra in terms of how getting their music. So, um, how it works is that when the conductors decide what they want to conduct for each concert, they tell me first, then it's my job to go find the music. Now, with my orchestra specifically, there's usually two places that I go for music. Um, we utilize the Columbus Symphony's library, and there's actually technically two libraries at CSO. One is for the big guys, and the youth orchestra has their own little tiny small library, and that's really helpful for um, maybe transcriptions that are a little less complicated than the full work. Um, it's more age-appropriate, uh, music, so to speak. Um, so it's, so I either go there to get those pieces of music or I just go to IMSLP. Now as a musician, do you use IMSLP a ton? You know that I looked at the, the acronym. I don't remember what it stands for at all, but I do remember very specifically using this resource yeah. <laughs> in college. I don't uh, even lot, remember so. what it stands for, but if you just go to, I think it's IMSLP.com org or com. I can't remember. I, I've got it bookmarked, so I don't even think about it anymore. But think of it like Wikipedia for public domain music. So yeah, absolutely. If if I can't find if see if uh, one of the conductors, my orchestra, by the way, I should say, um, has two orchestras. Most of the the other ones only have one. My orchestra has two conductors. So I check with both the conductors. If one of my conductors says, "I want this piece." Uh, I check the CSO library first, and then I go to IMSLP. Um, So if I have to go to the library, I work with the librarians at CSO, which, by the way, is another member of that functioning giant operation. Um, There's somebody dedicated to organizing and storing all the music. So um, I work with the CSO librarian if I have to pull it from CSO. Um, Otherwise, I just get it from IMSLP. Um, And then, excuse me, 
Then I have to go through all the parts, make sure all the pages are there, all that stuff. Um, which even last night I had an email from a conductor saying, hey, the one page didn't upload because technology, like, right? So like one page of a base part didn't upload. So I had to go back and try and figure out why that happened. I still can't tell you why that happened, but it did. <laughs> um, but I had to make sure all the page, you have to make sure all the pages are there. You, especially in this case, because of your working with strings, you have to check and make sure all the string parts have bowings. Um, so it, the bowings meaning the markings of, are they going down bow? Are they going up bow? Um, is it a staccato type bowing? Is it a pizzicato type bowing? You've got to look through all five string parts, viola, violin one, um, violin two, viola, cello, bass. There's five. You Generally speaking, there's five string parts. Got to look through all of them, make sure all the bowings are there. Then you got to look at the... Um, woodwind and brass parts and make sure all the transcriptions are right. So you have to go through and say, okay, now this is normally not a problem for flute. Um, this is normally not a problem for uh, bassoon, uh, and tuba, oboe, probably. tuba, although we don't have a lot of tuba parts um, in our orchestra, but we do ha- definitely do have that trombone as well. Would not generally be a problem. This particularly comes an issue with clarinet, trumpet and french horn um a lot of uh clarinet parts um were written in a um back in the day and so um if they're written in a um i have to go actually go get a clarinets which the symphony owns but that's part of my job is to go find the a clarinets and you know get them handed out or whatever or make sure that i have transcriptions that are in b flat which is what a clarinet is pitched in um trumpet um, there's oftentimes trumpet parts in D. Um, there's also horn parts that are often in different keys. And it's okay if those ones are in different keys, but they have to be something that a trumpet player can transpose. Um, you know, like if a trumpet part is in, I don't know, something random that it wouldn't be G sharp, that would just be rude to give to a trumpet yeah, player. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's in C, you can function with that. If it's in D, you can function with that. Usually no more than D is where we have to cut it off. If it's anything past D, I usually go try and find that B flat transcription. Um, and same thing with horn. So, you, you know, you just got to make sure that an F horn can play whatever part you give them. So then once I do all that, then I've got to do all the distributing, make sure each kid um, has what specific part they have, who plays first, who plays second. I mean, charts and spreadsheets for me, as far as knowing where everybody is. And then in my particular orchestra, and this is partly because I am a percussionist, one of the jobs I've been asked to take on is assigning percussion parts. So um, I tell kids which tunes they're playing timpani on i tell kids which puns are playing snare drum on and then um if they don't have coverage for that yours truly ends up having to play with them (laughs) so that's one of my jobs too (laughs) i think what's interesting here and i hope for those of you who uh, are listening that have been a part of a a band or a symphony or orchestra or whatever, you know, all the way from elementary to the higher levels to appreciate this, what they might consider the unglamorous part, but you're like, you're a, you're an organized person. You like this type of stuff. It's as true. You said, but yeah. like all this work that goes into just handing you a piece of music, you know, all this prep work that comes in before they even get to make a noise, uh, 
it's a lot of work, you know. Like you just doing all this is like, wow, this is uh, this is just your part time job, right? Because uh, you're yeah. a full time teacher. So. Yeah, yeah. This is my part time job. Um, it, lately, it has taken more time. I think that's um, I think that's partly and due to the pandemic, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit more here. And, and Jeremy's heard me personally lament a little bit lately. It's <laughs> um, it's and it's not because it's bad. It's because it's just everything's changed. We're trying to do everything different. As I said, I've been with the symphony for um, I think this is my sixth season with them. And, you know, after you do a job for a while, you know how to do it to make it run efficiently. And lately, none of those tools or tricks that I usually use work because everything is so different right now. Yeah. Well, thankfully, you're an online teacher. So like it, that that part of your job has not changed very much, right? So yes. you're not trying to figure out how to teach online and, you know, coordinate and move oh. a whole junior orchestra oh. online as well. I don't <laughs> think I could do it. I truly, I don't think I could do it. I think yeah. I, think I would have just curled up in bed and cried by now at this yeah. point. <laughs> so, okay. So what I hear is you're responsible for personnel and supplies, right? I mean, yeah. that's like the broad spectrum mm-hmm. of all of this and both very important, both things you need to make an orchestra run. Uh, so I got, you said you had a bunch of other responsibilities. So uh, hit us with those real quick. What you got for your other responsibilities? Yeah, so those two things that I was talking about, attendance and music, are the primary responsibilities. Those are the things that I have to make sure are done first. But there's other things that go along with my job. Um when we have sectionals or seating auditions, um, we have to get coaches and judges in to do that. And it is my job to hire those people and get those people there, make sure they know, have their music, um, stuff like that. So that's one of my jobs is to hire personnel for seating auditions and coaches. And that is usually um, the professional musicians at CSO that we work through. Um, And that again, this year has been weird because we've had to do everything pretty much online. Um, So that has changed how I do that, but we're getting there. Um, In a normal time, um, we have a fall and winter retreat, which is just a one day of a very long rehearsal. Maybe we meet like nine to (laughs) nine or whatever. Um, And we just rehearse do sectionals um but again we do games have funs um i coordinate with the parent volunteers who help during setup and tear down plan their meals um yeah just i plan a whole day and there's usually one in the fall and one in this one in the winter um we would have had life been different our winter one would have happened this past weekend but of course we don't we don't live in that world right now because um, it's usually right after the holidays is when when we do winter. Um, of course, we are performing groups, so we run. Con- I have to run the concerts. Um, we my orchestra cadet does four concerts a year. One of them. Um, is in conjunction with the other three big ones, the other three main ones. So um, that one, I kind of work with other operations coordinators because, as I said, each orchestra has their own operations coordinator. So we kind of work together to make all the concerts happen. Um, occasionally, I have I've been asked to teach sectionals. Um, actually, I usually teach the percussion one in mine because um, I will say this too: only youth and cadet have percussionists. Chamber strings and uh, junior don't because they're young. Um, they're not full. They're not completely full orchestras with um, all these parts. So only youth and cadet have it. So I've even worked with the youth orchestra percussionist too, but um, usually I get to, I'll, part of being an operations coordinator is if they cannot find a coach or there's an emergency, you have to go in and coach a sectional. Um, but generally I get to do the percussion because I'm the only percussionist on staff. Um, 
I have taught other sectionals. I remember there was a year where um, a woodwind coach, it was something really bad. Like she got in an accident or something. It was not good. Um, And I ended up teaching the bassoon sectional because that's what happens when you have a music degree, right? <laughs> so, you- <laughs> Well, specifically, uh, you have written here a music ed degree, and that's something I do I point out, like these mm-hmm. sectionals that are getting taught by your professional musicians. Uh, and I'm sure you've found like the great teachers in your orchestra, but mm-hmm. like professional musicians aren't always amazing teachers. Top performers aren't always good teachers. And so that's, I'm sure you're an asset to the symphony with your education degree because you don't have to be an expert at it, but you have the ability and the techniques to break it down, to understand and to coach and improve, even though that might not be your primary instrument. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Um, I And I will say that to hold the job that I have, um, all the operations coordinators, we all have music education degrees. Um, so Is that a requirement is or is re- that just... It that, is a requirement to hold this position. That's cool. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I mean, because I don't think people appreciate or understand always teachers like this this operations job that you have is literally just like half of our job <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like as as regular teachers accountability supplies and organizing mm-hmm. uh, especially our friends in like the brick and mortar schools that put on regular concerts multiple times a year like this is this is like just a part of our life yeah. so yeah. a lot of these skills transfer and I know a lot of colleagues that you know they they teach for four or five years and this is all education degrees like and they get they don't like teaching and there are a lot of reasons for that uh, so then they, they ask themselves like what can I do with my education degree well this operations management position that you have for the symphony is very specifically music but like operations management is like a perfect fit for teachers because this is just normal life for us completely (laughs) completely and and the nice thing is too there's been days where um you know the 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 uh, main conductor for the orchestra i work with he's a horn player but he's been teaching orchestra for years and years but there are times he'll sit down and look at me and go what do what do i need to do here i need another educator to talk to me about this particularly in percussion land um and of course i'm happy to you know (laughs) share those ideas and stuff because it is supposed to be a bit collaborative now what they say goes don't get me wrong there is a hierarchy here whatever the conductors say goes but it definitely has been where conductors have asked my opinion as a colleague and as an educator about what they should, certain choices they should make. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. So, yeah. So, um, and then the only other things, um, you know, there's a, with the All City, sometimes my orchestra uh, collaborates with them. So I'm a coordinator between the two orchestras at that point. And then just general catch-all stuff. Uh, you know, I do PR for the orchestra. I communicate with parents and families. <laughs> uh, you know, just like your normal stuff. And then I, I always, um, probably because I'm a percussionist and I am hypervigilant about it, I'm constantly, anytime we've got a concert, making sure we have all the right equipment. Um, did we get the tambourines? Do we have a bass drum beater? Um and sometimes people forget to do that. But again, I'm one of the only orchestras that has a percussion section and I'm a percussionist. So um, that I have just taken upon myself because I want, that's a little bit personal, but I just did that for me because I, I just couldn't stand the thought of if they would get there and they didn't have a snare drum. <laughs> yeah. um, so that has been oh, delegated man. to me at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. that is quite, I mean, again, if this is, Impressive. I love these types of episodes, and I know we are colleagues and we've been talking together for a couple of years now, but like to hear this other 
world that you're involved in is super cool and uh, intense. I I love it. It is. And it's really intense this year. And, um, you know, we're hopeful that, you know, I I really want to get some of the symphony people on here to join us some point. Um, But just because of how things have been lately trying to, I mean, again, it's hurting cats right now. And, um, you know, we hopefully when things calm down and we can, you know, get back to a little bit of a normal schedule, maybe we can get some of the conductors on here or get, um, you know, the director of education for the symphony to come join us for an episode because they're really great people and, um, you know, they they deserve all the credit in the world too um, for just everything they're trying they're trying to do for the community and keeping the arts alive. Yeah, I think it'd be a great uh, great episode. So, what, think, thinking of that and all these wonderful people that you work with, what is one like misconception people have about the symphony that is just not true or is not true with the Columbus Symphony? You know, I think the biggest misconception is that the symphony is only for elite people. The the symphony is for everybody. You can they place every symphony that I know, whether it's the one I work for or any symphony across the country or even the world, play music that yes is Beethoven and yes is your classical big works and Mozart and show you know all that stuff, but that doesn't mean that it's not for you. And listener, I'm talking to you. It doesn't mean it's not for you. Music is for everybody. And people often think, well, it's the symphony, so I can't possibly. No, absolutely the opposite. Go support these things. Go listen to some music that maybe you're not used to listening to. Might like it. Plus, they don't just play Mozart. There's concertos and new music and chamber ensembles and pop music. And the list goes on and on. So I think the biggest misconception is that you have to be an old rich person to enjoy the symphony. (laughs) It is absolutely not true. Everybody can enjoy the symphony and I will step off that soapbox. (laughs) No, I'm I'm glad you said that because one of the things we've talked about and we didn't really get to talk about much uh, in this episode, you didn't really talk about it much, is part of your role uh, in this education department is advocacy and not just like to going to schools to say like, hey, music is really cool because we already know that. And I'm sure like the music classes, a lot of them probably have some idea of that. But this idea that it is not for just the elite, it may be back in the day it used to be. And there's lots of reasons for that. We've talked about it last year in various sections, but like the the orchestra is more accessible than it has ever been before. Um especially now with all this online technology and we're trying to figure out how to do online stuff. But this advocacy that music can be just around because music is important. And that's a huge advocacy part of the education departments in orchestras, right? Advocacy that we can exist and we can be around because we're musicians and we're worthy of that. We don't have to like prove ourselves because it's beneficial to anybody. Uh, maybe it is, but like the first and foremost reason that we exist is because music is beautiful and we should just share that with the world. And you're like on the ground floor doing that with the next generation of people, which I think is super cool. Well, thank you. You uh, It really, you made me sound very glamorous there at the end. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Well, you are glamorous. (laughs) Oh, well, you are adjusting my ponytail right now. It's very, really wonderful. Thank you. No, and I, but I agree with you. You know, these are professionals who work very hard and it's for everybody. So I think what you said is absolutely well put. 
So is there anywhere that uh, or any way that people can support their local symphonies? Like what's the best way beyond going to their concerts? Like what can they do that is um, beneficial to helping keep these institutions alive? Well, you could always make charitable donations if you're financially available to do so. I know right now that can be a very difficult thing to do, but if you are... um in a position where you feel that you could uh, donate some money, uh, feel free to do that. If that's not something you're able to do, just try and help them get the word out. If they're promoting a concert uh, in your area, uh, share it on your social medias and be like, hey folks, check this out. Sometimes just the word of mouth is a great way to um, support your local musicians and getting you know people to maybe come to their concerts. So um, if you're not financially able to make a donation, um, think about just giving them a shout out on your social media. I like that. And I'll say this, um, the Toledo Symphony is becoming more aware of like recent social issues. Um, so like this idea that symphonies are only for old, rich, white, stuffy people is starting to like soften a little bit. And there's a lot of intentionality, at least I've seen in our symphony, to include diversity in their repertoire, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. So um, I, I'm sure this is catching on in a lot of orchestras, and yes. rightfully so. Yes. But I, I just want to put another plug in that support them and check out what they're doing because it might not be what you expect it to be. And when there is something that is good that is happening, help them celebrate it and help them spread the word so we can create a more diverse and inclusive uh, musical sphere of influence You know, in our classical music world. Amen. I'm not even going to say much more. Just amen. <laughs> well, there I'm going to give that an amen. <laughs> amen. Well, Daphne, I appreciate you sharing your uh, your job and you know your ulterior, your secondary life with us and just <laughs> giving hidden, us the background. My hidden, my hidden agenda <laughs> yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, the behind the scenes under workings of just one department of the orchestra. It's been a fascinating uh, exploration. And I just heard stuff that I have never heard before, which is cool. Um, If you have any reflection on this episode, uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at OHVA Music. Um, I, myself, Jeremy, am on Twitter at Jeremy P. England on Twitter. Uh, I think I said Twitter 15 times, but (laughs) on Twitter, uh, you can find me. I'm at Jeremy P. England (laughs) or at OHVA Music on Twitter. Uh, And our podcast website is anchor.fm slash OHVA Music. But we appreciate it if you... If you like this episode or any, check out our other episodes on there or subscribe to us, Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever podcast player you like, like Overcast, like we do. And just, uh, you know, give us a star, unicorn, horseshoe, rainbow, balloons. One lucky (laughs) charm. I demand one one lucky charm. (laughs) Yeah. And check us out next week when we come back with our next episode. Uh, And until then, welcome to any new listeners we have. Welcome to 2021. I hope this year is so much better than last year was for you. Yeah. And uh, we'll just talk to you later. Have a good week. Bye.